And welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm still Pete Wright from The Next Reel. We are talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man, where all of this craziness began. And we have with us Ryan Dalton joining us once again. Hello, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me again. And uh, we are digging into minute eight today, starting with Rhodey working his new job as a cooler, apparently, and ending with a reporter calling Tony names. I love this minute. I love this minute so much. We're getting into this sequence where we start seeing and hearing so much personality from all of these people interacting one another. And, uh, you know, we get um, we get to really get a sense of of happy as he interacts with Tony. We get Tony and and some of this great, I have to assume, uh, improv and the relationship between Rhodey and Tony is so, so good. I don't blow on a man's dice. (laughs) that's what you get that's what you get (laughs) yeah this is the exact relationship that they they had foreshadowed before where where and it's part of why i love again like i said before them changing roadie's character a little bit and that he can he can stand in tony's face and and be like you're just you're just a fool don't put this dice in my face and and uh yeah it's a great dynamic and that yet they're still friends i mean uh obviously uh Tony's not mad at him for saying what he's saying. He's just taking it in stride. And you know that Rhodey's going to be fine tomorrow, but he's annoyed now. And yeah, it's fun. It's so great because there is a relationship here that you can tell is both one of great friends, but also one of that, that has evolved into friendship from client and service provider. You know, that that really, you know, Rhodey is Tony's handler. Uh, insofar as Tony is a service provider to the military, and they have this kind of reciprocal relationship, sales relationship, where they have to, uh, you can tell that Rhodey is, is, also has some demands. Don't be late tomorrow. Don't be late. We have to do something, you and I together, to keep this relationship, um, you know, strong. And, uh, and it's evolved into a friendship, but that, that, like you can you can get a sense of where that came from and i think that's such a a really special um sort of performance tick i can't imagine that it was as special in the script as it ended up coming uh off on screen between robert downey jr and terrence howard i think it's just really perfect well and and terrence howard i mean he he even said when he uh was talking about the film he said i did the movie for one reason so that i could watch and study robert downey jr who i think is the most gifted living actor next to sean penn on this planet i learned so much about just remaining true to the truth which sounds a little funny but i think that the um just the idea of what he's saying there uh, speaks to kind of this this sense that this is a good actor i really want to watch him and i i think in a way, it kind of comes through in the character. Like, this is a guy who wants to kind of watch Tony Stark and uh, in a way kind of learn from him because Tony is an interesting character and obviously has a lot to offer, even if he's not always, you know, he doesn't agree with everything he's doing. I think it's a really interesting element of their relationship. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't uh, read that quote from him. And uh, I, I do feel like whatever whatever joy he got from being able to work with, with Downey, did come through because there's so much energy between them when they're acting together. And um, you, you got to think that that's very stimulating artistically for, for two guys to work together who are both really good and really enjoying bouncing off each other. And it's really fun to watch. As I said earlier, uh, we are, of course, filming in the actual Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. It was one night of filming that they had to get all their stuff done. Uh, it, it was 
June 27th, 2007 is when they filmed out in Caesar's Palace. And it was actually the last day of principal photography. So this is kind of the end of all the insanity. So it's it's kind of fun to look at their faces and and you can kind of see it in... I feel like I'm looking at it in Terrence Howard's eyes as he's looking at Tony like, you know, this is fun. I'm glad I'm doing this, this crazy project with this guy. And then also they had to sort of... That would be interesting acting-wise, I would think. You, you've you gone through all of this. You know everything else that's in the canon, yet you've got to rewind and put yourself in this this earlier state of mind um, and, and make it seamless for the audience. That's, I find that very impressive that uh, it, it doesn't feel like something that was shot uh, after they shot everything else. Now, do you guys know the rules of craps? I, I don't usually uh play craps so i'm not exactly sure only uh, in the vegas terms i know i know that vegas not vegas um uh, <laughs> i was gonna say ryan you are way more advanced than we are then vegas. that is lingo we've I, never heard I thought, yeah i need to uh enunciate better uh i know that snake eyes is bad um and my other ideas of the rules are fairly nebulous so i'm no help either <laughs> but the question is did you know snake eyes is bad because of their reaction on screen because that's kind of where i am that's exactly <laughs> huh they don't seem to be really happy about that okay yeah. and i'm like snake eyes oh i always love getting snake eyes because it looks cool but no i guess it but is it's actually... also doubles isn't that a good thing <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but i guess in in a game where you know the the number of of uh, what do they call the dots? Pips, right? Pips on uh, on a side of a die. Um, it, the more you <laughs> sure, have, yeah. the better off you are. <laughs> and so, I guess with Snake Eyes, it's it's the lowest roll you can get. So, I guess in in craps, that's that's a bad thing. So, all right, gambling here on the on the Marvel Movie Minute, everybody. <laughs> I, I think it, if there's a gambler out there, he's going to hate me for if I'm wrong. But I think the Snake Eyes is the one kind of insta-fail roll you can make to where it doesn't matter. Like you instantly lose the bet if you roll that, I think. Well, that would make sense because Rhodey certainly is the cooler here. And he, he uh, you know, put a little curse on, on Tony here. <laughs> that's, that's certainly what it feels like based on my gambling instruction, which all happened in my 10th grade performance of Guys and Dolls. Uh, <laughs> And roll them, roll them, roll them, snake eyes. That's about where it stops. <laughs> so funny. So funny. Yeah, the, the, you know, the blowing on the dice, you know, supposedly helps. But uh, maybe if Rhodey had only blown on the dice. Well, you can't have <laughs> conflicting luck on the dice. I mean, <laughs> oh, man, so funny. Um, this is, of course, Caesar's Palace, which was built in 1966. It's been around forever. It's kind of a staple of Vegas. And and when a lot of the old casinos started shutting down, this one seems to find its way to continue thriving. And it still is a popular casino today. Have you, either of you ever been to Caesar's Palace? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been through it. Uh, I'm, I'm not a gambler, but Vegas is fun once in a while for shows and things. And I've literally only walked through it. And it's pretty impressive in person. It is. Uh, I feel though I missed seeing the actual Caesar uh, that they that he passes by and, <laughs> and gives his award to. <laughs> oh, which is a great segue into it, it. It's another little facet of Tony's personality. And we get a reinforcement of what he cares about versus what he doesn't care about. And he is completely unimpressed by awards. And uh, I love that even when Rhodey hands it to him, he's just like, oh, okay, well, I don't have enough of these. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the first. And then he actually, when he actually gives it to Caesar, render under Caesar that which is Caesar's, uh, it, it's a it's a great line uh, for him to drop there, and and a great line that showcases, uh, you know, a, a little bit of learning in history that we don't see on display as he's getting the dice blown on and and gambling, and and I think that's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And we actually, this is actually a longer scene. Uh, there is a, an extended version of this um, if you watch the deleted scenes. Um, and it's in the script as well, where they, uh, after they leave the, uh, the craps table, Tony swings by a roulette wheel and, uh, he talks to happy and they're like, what should I put on red or black? I'm going to put all of it on red or black. And they're like, it's $3 million, Tony. And he puts it all on, on black or on red and it lands on black and he loses it. And, uh, it's it's crazy. The script cuts away, or the the movie, the deleted scene cuts away pretty quick. But I think in the in the script, he's uh, you know, Rhodey's like, you just blew three million dollars, and Tony says, yeah, don't know what was more exciting, winning it or just the fact that I don't care, I just lost it, which wow. I think is a really interesting line. Says a lot about uh, who Tony is, but at the same time. I, I don't miss it, the fact that it's not here. No, we it would have been interesting, but we don't need it. We That, again, I think was more reinforcement about who Tony is. But at this point, we got it. I think we got a good beat on who Tony is at the start of the movie. And there's a certain amount of comedic momentum that we have here that's important. And that, that having it sort of sustained, we don't want something that's going to make us stop and think before they really need us to stop and think. And that moment comes with the introduction of Christine Everhart, mm-hmm. right? When we have to stop and actually focus on uh, a real challenge to this identity that has been playing out in such a fun way on screen to this point. What's great about Christine when she pops uh, pops in, this is when we get outside of Caesar's Palace, is she essentially is the record scratch, right? We've got this jazzy tune going through everything. And then as soon as words come out of her mouth, um, it, the music just dies. And all you're missing is that record scratch. It's such, it's such a great moment. And it's a great way to introduce the press into Tony's life here. I love the way you put that. That's fantastic because and she's also the, you know, she's the, uh, that, that sort of yapping, uh, the, the yapping dog at his heels, right? The, and, and the fact that she keeps coming as far as I would imagine, because those minutes don't exist yet, uh, she keeps coming back at us. Uh, it, this is this is her big introduction to see that that we have kind of the beating heart uh, of the film right here because Tony can't step up and do it himself, right? She's the one who has to step up and, and show this giant mirror, uh, hold this giant mirror up to his face. I think she's, and, and Leslie Bibb is perfect at it. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that he won't even turn around until he's given a reason to turn around and actually look at her. Right. Uh, I think if he hadn't been told she was cute, he would have just gotten in the car and driven away. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, it's like he saw, the intrusion of press as a buzzkill until he was told, no, she's a cute girl. Christine Everhart, she is actually the newest character from the comics to be introduced in the movie thus far. She appeared first time in Iron Man uh, Volume 3, which is one of the more recent ones, um, issue 75. That came out December 10th, 2003. Um, And she's an investigative journalist who actually works for the Daily Bugle, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Here she's working for uh, Vanity Fair. But she is covering Tony Stark's appearance before the U.S. Senate. In that particular run of comics, um, Tony was announced as a nominee for Secretary of Defense. And as it said um, in the description of the uh, series, it said, Tony Stark faces his toughest foe yet, the Washington Press Corps. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is fantastic. So, uh, but she didn't appear in many in many issues. But in the one appearance that I read of hers, she's drilling Tony with a bunch of questions as all of his handlers are trying to um, shoo him away and and get him away from her. Um, and he's just like, no, I want to stay and talk to her. And as he is is kind of walked away by all of his handlers, she's just like, wait, was he flirting with me? He was flirting with me. So I think that they pulled all of that uh, for kind of what we're going to see in coming minutes. Because one, Leslie Bibb, she's an attractive journalist. And uh, we're going to, I guess, see what happens with that relationship in the coming minutes. Do you guys have anything else with this minute? I don't think so. <laughs> yep. Good on my end. I think we're going to wait a little bit and find out more about who this Christine Neverhart is and see what happens. Uh, it's going to be fun. Ryan, thank you once again for joining us today. Oh, I had a blast. Thanks for having me. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, I, Ryan Dalton, uh, on Twitter. And uh, you can uh, hear me uh, do some voice acting in some of the legible scrawl uh, podcasting series. And you can also find my uh, book series, uh, The Time Shift Trilogy, a series of time travel mysteries, uh, wherever your favorite bookstore is. Well, that is fantastic. Check those uh, links out, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. True believers.